listening to 30 Minute Expert. I'm Katie. And I'm Zach. Every episode, I challenge Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. And if that's not hard enough, I only have 30 minutes to do it. We want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, with a little help from the internet, anyone can become an expert on any topic in the world. Welcome, folks, to another exciting episode. I was going to say the same thing. I almost chimed in with you, but I said, no, let her take it. Of 30 you don't minute need expert. S- you don't need to step <laughs> on her. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's um, been a year, as we mentioned. Oh, yeah. The other episode. Did we say that on mm-hmm. here? Okay. Yeah. What a it's year. It's been great. We're still enjoying it. Hope you guys are too. I was actually out on a walk today and I was thinking... We we need to say thank you to our listeners. I think maybe we did that other episode, but thank you guys so much for I hope listening. We did, but you're right. Everyone, if you are friends or family of ours, we love you and appreciate you. And if you're not, maybe even especially so if you're not. I, like yeah, wow. Especially thank so. you so much for tuning in and doing this thing with us. Yeah, it's cool that we've been able to do this for I mean, been able to. There's no one stopping us or allowing us we just do it and put it out there but either way it, i'm i'm proud that we have done it for an entire year and we have what is this episode 57 what's it no we no 57 came out already it's in the high 50s yeah 58. something like that anyway that's i'm i'm uh i'm very proud of us so me too so thank you katie Oh, thank you, Zach. All right. Uh, who's given a suggestion right now? We didn't I'm, really talk about it. I'm going to give you one. Okay. All right? Great. All right. So, guys, here's a couple fun facts. Number one fun fact, some of you know all of these fun facts, so don't get too excited. But number one is um, Zach is in school right now. He is attending online community college to get his degree very admirable very very proud of him he's doing super well so he's been taking you know some like core classes the kinds of things you have to take and as he's been doing it I've always had in the back of my mind like oh we should do a top I should give him a topic on something that he's learning about you know kind of make his life easier also it'll be kind of fun to have him speak on something that he has a more wider breadth of knowledge on at this time so that's fun fact number one fun fact number two in case some of you don't know we live in california california is known for a few things avocados hollywood and earthquakes oh this is true (laughs) so um zach is taking geography this semester and he has been learning about all kinds of interesting things about the earth and how it works but one thing that he learned about was earthquakes and why they happen and all kinds of interesting stuff about tectonic plates and how they move and how islands are formed through hot spots and i was like let's let's get him to talk about this on the podcast so maybe you can teach us about earthquakes sure yeah i can absolutely do that um i don't think hot spots are going to come into play at all I was just throwing that out as another thing you know about. I did tell you about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, okay, great. No, this is awesome. Yeah, right? I think this will be really... And it will obviously be a, uh, as I guess all of these episodes are, a very general overview. But just tell us what's happening. I mean, if you live in a place with earthquakes like we do, 
Um, you know, you knock probably on know wood, the simple facts, right? Yeah, we've been lucky to to not experience you know a really devastating earthquake, but we've gone, we've experienced a whole bunch of them, and so you know what it feels like, but you don't really know what's happening or why it's happening. Um, and so I think it would be great to just know the basics, what's happening. Maybe you can tell us, I, I won't be fun facts by any means, but some of the big, most notable earthquakes sure. in history, yeah, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Cool. All okay, right. Yeah. This will be, this will be good. I, I like this one. Great. Um, I know you were, before we started, you were, uh, hesitant wondering if I would like this one or yeah, not, but I think this is a good one. I think this will be a, a yeah. nice, like I said, overview um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that, like I said, people probably know or is maybe a little obvious, but also some surprising stuff that I learned for sure. I mean, as someone who didn't grow up with earthquakes, but like you just mentioned, has experienced dozens mm-hmm. now, um, I definitely learned more than a thing or two. So cool. this will be good. Great. Thank you. All right. Let's sh- shake it up. Shake a leg. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. <laughs> Showtime. Showtime. I realized at the end of that intro, I was trying to think of, I was saying like, let's shake it something, and I knew there was some Taylor Swift song about shaking something, and I couldn't remember it, now I remember it. Shake it off. Good. I'm glad you thought of it. Thank you. Me too. Uh, earthquakes. Earthquakes. Is what we're talking about. That's why I keep referencing shaking. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. So to understand earthquakes, let's do a real quick, um, just lesson about the earth itself. It'll help us understand earthquakes. Yeah, so let's do that. The earth, you got the core in the middle. That's like the the middlemost part. Of course. Okay. Then you have the mantle, <laughs> which is, uh, call it the middle portion of the earth, and then the crust. Oh, there's okay. only three? Uh, in the simplest terms, yes. I like it. And then within the uh, within those three simple ones, you've got five like physical layers: the lithosphere, which is the crust and upper mantle. Don't worry, you won't be quizzed on this. Okay. And then the, I was getting concerned. I think the, you could see uh, it in my eyes. Asthenosphere, oh. and then the mesosphere, and then the outer core and the inner core. So just laying the groundwork, like I said, the lithosphere is the crust in the upper mantle. So that's the uppermost of those five that I just uh, mentioned. Okay. And then you have a plate. And a plate is a section of that lithosphere. Okay. And then a tectonic plate is the section of the crust. So that's what we're dealing with here because earthquakes, as I'm sure most listeners know, uh, happen when plates rub against each other or collide or pull apart and so those are the plates that we're talking about these tectonic plates mm, mm-hmm. why do these plates move i can I don't tell know. by the look on your face you're wondering i am so there's uh there's a like a flow of liquid rock in the earth in the mantle uh mm. it's called mantle convection so this rock gets heated and it flows up towards the surface and as it's hitting like the crust so if you can picture um, picture like a, a side view of what's going on down there, you have the crust, mm-hmm. and then you have this this liquid rock flowing up towards the crust, and then as it hits the crust, there's nowhere for it to go, unless mm-hmm. there's a volcano right there and it erupts out of the volcano. There's nowhere for it to go, so it kind of 
hits the crust and then just like slides off to either side. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that happens, it does kind of drag the plates with it. And that is where a volcano oh. forms or where a ridge forms where uh where like magma does seep out and that's generally like under the ocean floors where stuff like that will happen but anyway that's just a little bit of like to get your mind thinking about what's really going on inside the earth because Mm -hmm. that is where earthquakes come from can you think about how hot it must be to have liquid rock i mean when you encounter a rock you're like this thing isn't gonna be liquid anytime soon Yeah. yeah That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's insane. I I don't even I didn't even see the temperatures of these things. It, I have it no doesn't idea. even matter. Exactly. You know, it's, it's those like, really high numbers, and you're like, wow, and you can't even conceptualize them. Right. Wow. Okay. Cool. All right. We cool. get it though. So there's like a a thick I I don't know how thick it is. There's a layer of kind of liquidy rock and these plates that are. Solid rock, I guess? They're essentially floating on top of them. So picture like a pool raft. Uh, Picture if you had a swimming pool, a circular swimming pool. Mm -hmm. That's the earth. And then you had these rafts floating in there. As the water moves, the rafts move. That's a a very um, elementary way to think of it. Okay. So there was a time when we didn't know that plates moved. You Mm. know, America was here, Asia was there, Africa was here, and that was that. But there was a guy, a German scientist named Alfred uh, Wegener, and he came up with the idea of continental drift, of these continents having moved over time. Mm. Uh, The idea that they used to be connected, which, you know, I'm sure people may have heard of Pangea. Yeah, tell us what Pangea is. Well, the name of when all of the continents were once connected in one, like, major landform. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but So everything used to be connected together and then over, you know, millions of years before, I'm assuming totally like before humans were even a deal at all, um, the all of the continents broke off of this main one and like floated apart and now we're at where we're at. Right. Uh, but he, Alfred Wegener, was... He had no explanation for it. He was unable to explain how they shifted, but mm. he had noticed that the coasts line up. That Like puzzle um, pieces, you mean, right? Right, like puzzle pieces. Yeah. They kind of match. Um, coastal fossils on those places that line up were similar. similar That's like, really cool. These had to have once been connected. Um, similar rock on the coastal regions and, and geological structures. So he, he saw the, the clues there. But he didn't know how it happened. So he was like largely brushed off. But now we know that these continents do shift over time. Rude. Why'd they brush them off? Because he had no explanation. So it just sounded crazy. Mm, true. It's like even if all that stuff makes sense, you have no idea how Like, how would you ever yeah, describe yeah. that without knowing. But anyway, mm-hmm. again, I feel like I'm babbling. This is going to be a very general overview. I like uh, it. So I'm going to move past this stuff and we're going to get to talking about um earthquakes okay so these plates the tectonic plates they have boundaries because again if you picture a pool filled with all these rafts Mm -hmm. it's not just one giant raft floating on top of the pool it's it's many rafts and there are little they you know where they touch and are bumping into each other that's essentially what's happening to the plates there are a few different types of boundaries one of which is called a divergent boundary that is when two or more of these plates are pulling apart from each other. Oh. 
So in that case, uh, where they're pulling apart from each other, that molten rock below the core, or sorry, below the crust, is seeping up in between the plates and hardening. And as it's hardening, it is pushing the plates further and further apart. Mm. So near that boundary is the newest rock, because that's where the lava, the magma rather, just came up to the surface and hardened, and it's pushing it away, pushing it away. So the newest rock is there, the oldest rock is the furthest from that boundary, because it's continually being pushed away. Makes sense. Does it necessarily form, like, a mountain there, or is it just, like, forming more rock basis of the plate? Um, No, it is forming, like, a mountain. So the, the okay. biggest example of that is the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, which is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, running north to south, effectively pushing Europe and the Americas, Europe and Africa and the Americas, away from each other. And oh. that is, like, the biggest mountain range in the on Earth is this Mid-Atlantic Ridge. But it's underwater? Yes. Whoa. Um, so that's what's happening there. That's a divergent uh, boundary. Then there's the... Um, a So a divergent boundary, that's underwater. One on land is a continental rift, and that's where mountains are... Or, or not, uh, sorry, not mountains are formed, but that can, can happen on land, and that's called a continental rift when they're splitting apart on land. Hmm. Uh, a convergent boundary is when two or more plates are coming together. Ooh. So rather than spreading apart, these two are coming together. Um, and there are a few different kinds. It could be an oceanic plate and a continental plate coming together. So basically water meeting land. Mm -hmm. um, it can be oceanic and oceanic. So a boundary underneath the ocean where it, the, 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 the land is getting pushed together, the sea floor is getting pushed together, mm -hmm. or continental and continental where they're both this boundary is underneath land mm -hmm. entirely, so it's the land coming together. Uh, that sounds difficult because you have nowhere to go. You're just well, smushing into each other. Exactly, and that is how mountains are formed, when they're smushing oh. into each other. Oh, cool, because it gets like pushed up. Exactly. Oh, so cool. When the ocean is involved, there is a process called subduction, um, because Ooh. the ocean floor is is dense, and it's always there's always one of them is going to be so when it's two ocean floors just to put it simply colliding one of them is always going to be denser than the other so it's going to sink under the other and that's okay. called subduction and so this is like one of the rafts just kind of goes over the top of the other one so one goes under one goes yeah over. so basically if you're if you hold your hands out flat in front of you your fingertips touching and it's like you're pushing like one of them is going to slide under the other okay so that's what's happening there and when that happens this is how volcanoes form when that happens one the plate that's sliding underneath mm -hmm. as it's as that plate is sliding under the uh, the rock that makes up that plate as it's going like deeper into the earth, it's heating up, melting, oh. and then some of that melted rock is making its way back up to the surface oh. via a volcano. Okay. So that's how volcanoes form, and that's how they erupt when when that's going on. Uh, but when when it's the ocean's not involved, that subduction doesn't occur, and that's where mountains form because the the uh, the continental plates are less dense so they don't subduct they don't sink one under the other they just collide and boulder up so and like create if you're a mountain. pushing your fingers together this time instead of one going under the other you just like they kind of like push up into exactly the steeple. <laughs> almost into like your hands are praying yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly cool, so that's cool. what's going on there um and then the 
So we've done the divergent plates pulling apart, mm -hmm. convergent plates colliding, and then there's the transform plate boundary, and that's where two plates are sliding side by side. So like one's, let's just say, going up and down. Like, right. They're just One plate's going north, one plate's going south, and they're sliding. Against exactly. each other. <laughs> they're sliding right against each other. Uh -huh. So that... Um, I mean, these all result in earthquakes. All of these will cause oh, earthquakes, really? yes. Oh, man. I was hoping you would just say just one of them did. <laughs> no, they all do. Um, but the transform plate boundary, that causes pretty severe earthquakes. Oh, that causes okay. the, the, the most destructive earthquakes. Okay. So the San Andreas Fault, which runs through California, that mm. is a transform plate boundary. Mm. And what's happening there is you're putting sheer stress on these rocks because they're sliding side by side so it's that sort of stress where it's they're not colliding mm -hmm. they're not pulling apart um they're sliding side by side so as they're sliding side mm -hmm. by side pressure is building between the two plates mm -hmm. and as it builds so it's kind of like when you're trying to make your way through uh, I mean, picture two people trying to go through one doorway at the same time yeah, and they're mm -hmm. pushing, pushing, one's going in, one's going out. And then finally you burst through. Something's got to give. Yeah. yeah. You burst through and you, you both go the way you were trying to go, but you got jammed up for a second. That's basically what's happening with these two plates. They're building and building until it gives way. And when it gives way, that causes an earthquake. Mm. Cause you're just, it just moves and and because we're not like used to the earth moving in this abrupt way, it, it everything just like shakes and rattles and rolls on top. Exactly. I mean, it's it's as simple as it sounds. Mm -hmm. um, like but... if you have two books and you have stuff on top of the books and you like slide them past each other, the stuff on top is going to move and shake and yeah. Right. But here's the thing: like it's so it's building pressure, building pressure until it gives way, but that's happening constantly. Mm. I mean. Constantly, meaning hundreds of times a day at a single fault. Oh, wow. There's always tiny little earthquakes, I mean, most of which aren't even detectable. Mm -hmm. The majority, vast majority that are detectable aren't, uh, you don't feel them, mm -hmm. even though they are detectable. Right. So this is always happening because these plates are always moving. Okay. And there's yeah. always little pressure building and little giving and little giving. But when it gets, uh, when it's enough energy and it's a big enough give mm -hmm. at once that's where you can feel it and again feeling it can be everything from you sitting there being like was that just an earthquake i don't know i can't really tell and then you check twitter and you see that maybe it was or wasn't <laughs> yeah. it can be that or it can be you know you turn on the news and eight thousand people have died yeah, somewhere yeah. on mm -hmm. earth from an earthquake right. that collapsed you know a whole city mm -hmm. that sort of thing so it obviously it's a scale, There's quite a literally. huge range, yeah, of, yes. of earthquakes that one could feel. Exactly. Um, in the earthquake, I guess to define it is sudden ground movement caused by the release of energy stored in rocks. Mm. And that energy is released in seismic waves, which if you've heard, if you're, I mean, if you've learned anything about earthquakes, you've probably heard that word before, uh, the seismic waves, uh, of which there are two different types. So, so a seismic wave that does that just mean like the the shaking the energy the movement of the earthquake kind of like ripples outward yes from literally it. the energy mm -hmm. of yes like the invisible waves of energy that are causing the ground to move so that's why even if you're not 
if you're not standing right above where the earthquake happened, even if you're like we've experienced, you know, you're 20, 50 miles away, you still feel it. Yeah. I mean, it can be a thousand miles away Mm -hmm. and it can be felt or at least detected. Wow. You know, so yes, it's these waves that are traveling through the earth and there are two different types of them. There are body waves, which travel through the body of the earth. Okay. And then there are surface waves, which travel on the surface. Travel (laughs) on the surface of the earth. And each of those have their own or have two like subdivisions of of those. So like the body waves, there's the primary and the secondary. The primary that travels through solid, liquid, gas, and those are detected first. And then there's the secondaries and those only move through solids. And I know this is all very confusing. I don't understand it quite that well either. <laughs> uh, and then the surface waves, they have two different kinds. Again, there's, I don't know who named these, probably <laughs> someone named Raleigh and someone named Love because they're called Raleigh waves, uh-huh. which is like a rolling motion. And then Love waves, which are kind of like a sideways motion. Okay. So the energy is released. These waves just shoot out in all directions, mm-hmm. but you don't if so if you feel this earthquake, there's no way to tell which way it came from. Mm. They need to be measured in some way, but luckily, there's we a way can. to do that. So these waves are measured using something called a seismograph. I've which heard is, of that. Yeah, and it's really it's I love how simple it is. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of nice when there's these like very scientific things that are super important, but then it's it's a really simple method totally. or, or like easy to understand way. It's just kind of satisfying. So what this seismograph is, is picture a drum, like a rolling drum, like a barrel made mm-hmm. out of paper that's laying on its side and it's spinning. And there's basically... I mean, it's, you know, a little more scientific than this, but basically a rolling drum of paper with a pen that is just like dangling directly, like just barely making contact. Mm -hmm. So this drum is just turning and turning and turning. And this pen is just tracing, let's say, a straight line Mm -hmm. because there's zero movement at all. But then as soon as there's any movement, that pen is going to start moving back and forth Uh and it's going to draw a squiggly line. And if it's extremely severe, that squiggly line is going to be wider and wider or faster and faster, more and more squiggles. So that's, that's how they measure earthquakes. Wow. That's funny. Cause you see that sometimes you like see a graphic of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that that, I thought that was maybe more of a visual for us to, understand it but that but that's cool that that's actually what it is yeah it, it, like i said it's it's very simple in its design but effective mm-hmm. um and the, when they use that they're measuring the distance to the epicenter which is the like geological location on the earth's surface where that uh where you can most closely relate that earthquake to a to happening you to know have, like started yeah from. because there's another word for it i can't remember so there's another word that is like exactly where it happened, like in the Earth's surface. Mm-hmm. But the epicenter is like, no, it happened in Riverside, California. Yeah, you know, yeah. But that's mm-hmm. just a place on a map. Like even saying that, it's like you don't know where it happened depth-wise. Oh, I see. So there's uh-huh. a word that like actually pinpoints exactly where it happened. Yeah. But the epicenter is the place on the map where it happened. So the seismograph is measuring uh, the distance to the epicenter. Mm-hmm. 
not to telling you where the epicenter is, just how far away from the epicenter oh, okay. you are. Uh-huh. Uh, the strength of the earthquake, the duration, and again, based on those squiggly lines, if it just jolts once, that was a really quick little shock. Yeah. If it's sustained, you know, the pen's swinging back and forth for 60 seconds, then you had a 60-second earthquake. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not that exact, but you know what I mean. And it's also measuring the distance of those two waves I was telling you about. So the body waves of the seismic waves, the primary and the secondary, it's detecting when the primary hit, and then there's a gap until the secondary hit. Oh, wow. So if if though if the primary and secondary hit very close together, then you know you're closer to the epicenter. But oh. if the primary hits, and then there's a big lag, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. when I say big... And then the secondary hits, you know it was a little further off. Cool. I was wondering that. I was like, how does it know? But that makes sense. It's just probably simple math. Like, I mean, it's probably not simple at all. But, you know, like once you know how to do the math, it's just a calculation of how soon did this one hit and how soon did this one hit. And the further apart they are, the further away you are from the epicenter. Well, not exactly. So, yes, that in you know in principle is right mm-hmm. the, like you said the the longer the distance between the two the further away it is but to accurately pinpoint the epicenter you need three seismographs so and it, they're like very spread out too i mean they can be these seismographs can be hundreds of miles apart and they'll use three of those to oh. pinpoint so uh the first seismograph they will and the the readings that come out of the seismograph the the ink on the paper that's called a seismogram so they will take that seismogram uh let's say the the you know the the reading tells them that this earthquake was between 45 and 90 miles away that's probably a much broader range than they get mm-hmm. but they'll draw a circle that's 90 right. miles and the 45 miles and then this seismograph that's 190 miles this direction says it was between 90 miles and 110 miles so they'll draw their circles and then the third one will do the same and where all of those circles intersect that is that's that's called the epicenter that makes sense so you can do the math off of one but you're just gonna get a a circle because you don't know which direction exactly it could have come from north south east west you have no idea and then if you have two i guess there's the possibility slash likelihood that the circles intersect at two points but then when you have right or they could intersect and that uh you know the midsection of the venn diagram could be 95 miles wide and you don't know exactly where it hits so they're Mm -hmm. really they're trying to put as fine a point on it as they can yeah And, and using those three from what i understand it's like they intersect pretty uh exactly you know um so yeah, that's how they that's how they determine the epicenter, which they do extremely quickly. Like when an earthquake yeah. hits, because these things, as you can imagine, are being monitored twenty four seven, three sixty five, like mm-hmm. down to the second. When something like that happens, they've identified the epicenter within. I mean, I would honestly, I'd say probably one minute of the earthquake yeah. happening. They I know mean, exactly where it happened. <laughs> yeah, Zach wasn't kidding when he said when when you live here in California, where we do, it really is. Uh, just a common occurrence i feel like everyone knows it that when you feel something i mean sometimes it's obvious and you know it's an earthquake but you'll feel something and you go was was that an earthquake and you go to twitter and first of all there's often people talking about it but there are like twitter earthquake bots essentially that all it is is reporting earthquakes and it's the second you feel it it's on there like they they've done it immediately 
The, right, like, but the time it takes to feel it, yes. wonder if it was, <laughs> Go open to up Twitter, Twitter and check, you'll see a yes. tweet from 14 seconds ago that says... That confirms what you were wondering, Riverside, yeah. California. Totally. Um, yeah, so, like I said, the, the fault line that we were on in California, uh, the San Andreas Fault, is a transformed plate boundary, which causes the most damaging earthquakes because the earthquakes that result from those are large and shallow, mm. as opposed to say a convergent earthquake where now oh, i can't remember i'm kind of confusing the divergent and convergent but either way they're large and very very deep mm. or they're very small but they're shallow so it's they you know of those three combinations large and shallow is the it, most destructive yeah. one for things on the earth's surface right. which quite frankly is the only thing to destruct yeah so, <laughs> yeah unless like you're a colony of some kind of magma bugs who live far beneath the surface then then that would be sad for you but i don't know if they exist i don't think they have those yeah okay (laughs) now unfortunately as you've probably realized by now living in california and being surprised by earthquakes earthquakes cannot be predicted right which would be pretty sweet if they could yeah and you know it's funny because there are some apps they have now that are I forget what are they called Shake Alert maybe is oh, one. Oh, I've been seeing commercials for that. Yeah, and they and you know it's like sponsored by the government, I guess, or something. And they're always telling you to download the app, and but it's like, what are you going to do? Like, because they'll tell you, you know, ten seconds before maybe it gets to you, they'll tell you, and maybe that is helpful, maybe it's a big deal. But overall, I every time I hear that, I feel like this is a futile effort because the whole point of earthquakes is you can't predict when they're coming. Yeah, a few, I, I, I take issue with those commercials when yeah. I see them because, like you said, a futile effort. They can warn you. I mean, people working in earthquake detection facilities can maybe get a few seconds heads up. Mm-hmm. So by the time they get that few seconds heads up, I and mean, when I say a few seconds, like maybe 10 seconds they could be like oh it looks like something's happening 10 seconds later like you'll feel it mm-hmm. by the time they get that and then send out a warning to where they think it's going to be low it's just like when i see those commercials having learned what i've learned here because i feel like i've only been seeing those commercials in the past couple of weeks so i was learning about this stuff before that and i see those commercials and i'm like that's just not you can't do that first of all mm-hmm. if you could do that They'd send out alerts to everybody. You wouldn't need to be subscribed or not subscribed, mm-hmm. but download some right, app. Right. You know, when they, when someone gets a kidnapped and when there's an Amber Alert, yeah, that shows up on, on everyone's phone. phone. Yeah. When there's a gas leak at so and so intersection, that shows up on everyone's phone. Mm-hmm. If 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 they could detect earthquakes in any uh, realistic way, we would all get those alerts. Mm-hmm. So like, I see those commercials and I'm like, I guarantee all that is is they send out earthquake or they send out alerts every time any uh detectable earthquake happens yeah not to scare people but it's probably just like magnitude 1.7 earthquake detected in in just outside san diego whatever and then you click on it and then there's probably ads on there and i'm like (laughs) that's probably just like that's so bogus yeah there's no way that's not helping anybody it's a cool app i'm sure there are tons of apps out there that let you track earthquakes and see where they're happening oh and check yeah up that's on them. cool and that's really cool but, but like in terms of to your sell it as safety. like this is going yeah. to give you an advanced alert which will make you safer is just untrue yeah mm-hmm. not happening uh they can however be forecasted based on previous history of earthquakes mm-hmm. and the strain building on the fault but the exact 
the exact time an earthquake will hit is still unknowable. Yeah. Like I, mean, I said, outside of that, like there, there is technology to give you a few second heads up right. at the earthquake detection facilities, but that That's few not really seconds doing is meaningless. Yeah. It's, it doesn't do anything for us, but it's inching closer. You know, I'm sure they're working very uh, hard to get that technology to yeah. actually somehow detect when these earthquakes are going to hit, and that'll mm-hmm. be great. And these are the steps that you take to get there. But as of now, I think that those commercials anger me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, which yeah, it's unfortunate that they can't be detected because yeah, they obviously, obviously can be very destructive be great. and dangerous. Yeah. Uh, this seems obvious, but the shaking of an earthquake can cause structural collapse. Mm-hmm. It can rupture gas lines, which happened very famously in San Francisco in 1906. They had a, a really strong earthquake um, that ruptured a bunch of gas lines, causing fires. Because right. that's what can happen when you rupture gas lines, especially in 1906 when probably the average home has three fires going in it at any mm. given time. Um so that was an extremely destructive earthquake, but even more so was the fires because that the resulted fire, from right. the earthquake that like burned the city to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that we don't really think about here in, in Southern California, but uh, tsunamis are also a big right. uh, fallout, if you will. I have read about it because, again, now that we live here, you kind of can't help it. You learn about earthquakes. Um, Dr. Lucy Jones, who I follow on Twitter, she's an earthquake special scientist, and <laughs> every time there's an earthquake, she pops up, and it's like yeah, she's, she's the person who's always on the news. Yeah, she's the gal. The she's lowdown. awesome. Um, and she, I have learned from her that I don't know why, but like basically, Cal- California, LA. Um, is not at risk for tsunamis. Like, just the, where the fault is and the way it's structured, that's just not something that we really need to worry about. Right, because what happens when a tsunami, uh, well, before a tsunami hits, is that there is an earthquake underwater, mm. and when that earth shifts, it causes a, a massive displacement of water yeah and that sudden jolt that su- sudden displacement of water causes waves to shoot out from that site now uh, uh, we're talking about the ocean so you think waves on the water but it's energy waves oh okay so uh-huh. a uh, a boat that's right above where this happened may not even detect it the, <laughs> there so might crazy. be the, the waves might increase by a a couple of feet like it just might get a little rocky like you're in a wake or something like mm-hmm. that but these these waves of energy are blasted out into the the deeper water and they're really small waves but they move extremely fast they can be moving like up to 500 miles an hour wow so you don't get a lot of warning even if this thing happens mm-hmm. several hundred miles off the coast you don't get a ton of warning um so as these waves are shooting out they're in the deeper water but when they near the shore, obviously the water gets shallower. So this energy is entering shallower and shallower water. So you can picture that wave growing because yeah. if it's, you know, if it's in this really deep water and it's coming towards the shore, mm-hmm. then the wave just moves upward because it's hitting the friction of the shore. So it's pushing that upward, yeah. causing towering waves, which then are <sighs> extremely devastating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the the coastal flooding that they cause is is 
going to, you know, can drown a lot right. of people. But Not to mention just crashing and destroying things. Exactly. Uh, and this is really interesting. Before the wave hits the shore, if the trough of the wave, so not the crest, not the okay. high part, the trough, the, the low part, okay. if that hits the shore first, the the water like retreats. Okay. So the like literally the the water gets sucked out, exposing the seafloor, and that Ooh. will like draw a lot of onlookers because the water suddenly gets pulled out. I don't know exactly how far, but like picture oh, like several no. hundred yards, uh-huh. like the water just retreats, and it's just this weird thing of like whoa. Yeah, look it's crazy. At that. Whoever yeah. sees that, uh-huh. so people like will go out there and be looking at it. And then be met with these gigantic waves. So these huge waves come in. I mean, in the worst case scenario, they can go like a mile inland. Not, you know, not the ocean. It's not like the ocean moves a mile inland or it's not like these waves are crashing a mile inland. But the water, the surge from them can push water like a mile onto the land. Wow. But then what happens is as that water recedes, because these waves come in like, intermittent periods you know it's not like mm-hmm. waves of the ocean where it's every few seconds as a wave hitting it might be yeah. every couple of minutes a big wave hits so this wave will hit and then the water recedes and when it recedes the force of all that water being sucked back out into the ocean just pulls everything wow. and everyone with it oh that's so, so horrible it's horrible and it's it's devastating yeah. uh the the deadliest tsunami ever uh was in December of 2004, and this really? was from yeah, that's so recent. From an earthquake in Indonesia, uh, or rather, I guess off the coast of Indonesia, um, that exactly what we just described happened. Well, maybe not the people going out to search on the seafloor. Okay. That was a separate. Uh-huh. That was just a, a fact of all tsunamis. I don't know if this happened in these cases, but anyway, over 200,000 people died. Are you kidding? Mm. I remember that happening. You don't I, remember? I do remember, but I yeah. don't remember that specific. Wow. Yeah, over mm. 200,000 people, which is... That's insane. Yeah, That's a, it's crazy. A decently sized city of people all yeah. gone. Wow. Um, and that, that San Francisco one that I mm-hmm. mentioned with all the fires, that killed like 700 people. Obviously, it pales in comparison to yeah. the 200,000, but just, again, showing how... It's not that, you know, in the case of the tsunami, it's not the rattling of the earth that's killing these right. people. It's the it's tsunami. It's the aftermath. Yeah, yeah. In the case of San Francisco, the rattling of the earth caused a lot of damage, but the fires surpassed the damage of the earthquake yeah. itself. So these are all the things that you kind of have to, mm-hmm. you know, be on the lookout for. Not yeah, on the lookout for, but and we've, we've gone a long way, especially in America, of preparing for such events. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, the building codes are very strict around here. There's yeah. a lot of retrofitting. Like, you, do you ever see it? Oh yeah, like I the see apartment it all the buildings, time. the yeah. soft story mm-hmm. retrofitting. So yeah. that's where it's very common out here. The apartment buildings will have the first floor will be uh, parking. So it's basically uh, picture a parking lot, and then the building dumb. is built above that parking lot. Yeah, it feels like the dumbest structure for um, you know a place that's prone to earthquakes. Yeah, I mean, but. You know, we're not talking about a grocery store parking lot. It's parking for seven cars because yeah. there are seven apartment units above it. But you park on the ground floor below the units. Mm-hmm. So there's, um, I, th- I think it was like 2014 or something like that. They like passed a law where all of these buildings, these they're call them, they call them soft story buildings where the first floor is a soft floor because it's kind of open air. 
need to be uh, retrofitted to to be a lot stronger with they like were, steel beams. Exactly, or that's what right? they do. They yeah. like cut out the beam, the existing beams, and add like these super heavy duty steel beams. And you there. can see it, like literally, you'll you when you see it happening, um, it's like the first lip of the you know the the base of where the apartments are. So like the top of where the the parking lot is and the base of the apartments, it just is like ripped open kind of and they're like putting new stuff yeah like the people living in the building don't even need to yeah to leave for the time being they kind of they just do it uh while people are living in there and and it makes them a lot safer so there's that uh there's anchoring buildings to the bedrock so when they're building a new building particularly a skyscraper Mm -hmm. uh which a lot of them have subterranean parking anyway so you're, you're building down into the earth but they'll go so far as to like drill down into the bedrock so these things are anchored to the ground mm-hmm. um but that's not the case in all countries yeah um especially poorer countries third yeah. world countries where you you're kind of building with what you can get and even though they may not have skyscrapers there the homes there are you know a lot of unreinforced walls and things like yeah. that so when when these earthquakes hit uh I mean, don't get me wrong. They can be very, very strong earthquakes, and they often are, so they're liable to cause damage anywhere. But mm-hmm. especially if you're somewhere where the uh, building codes aren't as strict as in other places, the buildings can fall when they maybe didn't need to yeah. if there were stricter codes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those are a few things that they do nowadays when they're building to kind of mitigate the effects of earthquakes because they're going to happen. Right. If you're in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's the whole, the personal safety side of it, which is when you're experiencing an earthquake, like, what do you do? How do you keep safe in those moments? Mm-hmm. And it seems like every time a, a decently sized earthquake hits, you know, one that catches all the headlines for a couple of days, like you're inundated with everybody's opinion, the news and otherwise about like how to keep safe during an earthquake. Do you have good advice? Because I feel like the... What to do in an earthquake advice has changed since I moved here. Because when I first moved here, it was go, it was like go under a doorway essentially. Because for whatever reason, it was like the doorway is reinforced. It's the strongest, you know, structurally in area in the building. And so go in a doorway. Then it became go like kneel by the side of the couch so you're essentially trying to form the triangle of life so if your ceiling and other things collapsed on top of you you would if you were kneeling next to like a big piece of furniture whatever collapsed you know would inherently like hit the big piece of furniture and then fall on the ground but there'd be that little space right next to it right and you'd be in there and then now i feel like the most recent thing i've heard is don't move because most injuries occur when people are just running from place to place because the worst thing that's going to happen is something's going to hit your head not the ceiling of your building because most buildings are going to be okay and if you're in a situation where the ceiling of the building is collapsing like you're in a pretty bad spot right but essentially as long as that's not happening the best thing you can do is stay put and protect your head so if you're right next to a table sure maybe like get your head under that table to protect it or even like put a pillow over your like literally do anything you can to protect your head but don't go running around if you're in a building don't go running outside when the earthquake hits because you're mostly going to get hurt by in the process of you running outside things falling and hitting you yeah uh i mean all good points i agree with everything you just said great i would uh definitely just defer to your 
local government's website, wherever that is, if you're in America, the mm-hmm. the USGA or whatever country you're in, whatever city you're in, state, I'm sure there's websites that have a page about earthquake safety and protocol and everything like that. But I mean, you're right. It, it seems like the rhetoric is constantly changing. Yeah. Like a lot of things, which is like, mm-hmm. also, it's just the way things go. You, it's so hard. Like, what are you going to tell people? Like, there, we've really only experienced two that were like really substantial and kind of scary. Um, and I what are you going to do? <laughs> like, what are you? It's so, it happens so fast. I mean, it is good to have an idea of what to do, but I feel like the more important information is what we also do, which is earthquake earthquake preparedness post earthquake like having plenty right. of water Which is in your my next house point, but go yeah on. yeah just yeah so go ahead that because that feels to me like no you know, i don't have a lot on it so whatever you're gonna say is probably gonna cover whatever i was gonna i say. was just gonna say when the earthquake happens like just do your best protect your head try and keep your wits about you get through it because it's going to be short earthquakes don't last 30 minutes you know like it's going to be relatively short so just get through that and then if it really is devastating and is really bad if you have things around you like water an earthquake non-perishable food yeah even um we have like a backpack just filled with stuff like flashlights phone chargers um, extra pairs of, you know, a couple items of clothing, uh, non-perishable you were about food. To say underwear. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like those, I don't know, those tinfoil-looking blankets to keep you warm. Like just basic stuff that's like, wow, if everything Grenades, really goes beer, down, no, <laughs> do not. Um, but if if things were real, and actually we have um, uh, masks in there. What are they called? N95 masks yeah. in there that we thought about during covid um and uh that seems to me to be i don't know the the best thing you can do for yourself is make sure you're prepared for the post you know if you need to take care of yourself because you never know if uh when that earthquake strikes you you know let's say the earthquake hits everything goes fine uh but a portion of your building collapses and you need to vacate your building mm-hmm. immediately and you can't come back for probably weeks or months. Yeah. Um, have even... a bag that has, like like everything Katie outlined, just the common sense stuff that you need to maybe <laughs> leave that moment and be gone and have nothing else to rely on but that bag for the next 48 hours yeah. or or longer. I mean, obviously you can't pack a month's worth of necessities in a bag if you're going to be out for any extended period of time like there will be other ways to figure it out with relief and things like that but but just have that bag ready to go that like you can you can grab that bag and be out the door and and have everything you need to like get through a day or two and uh and not get caught without that because that's that yeah. would not be a fun place to be. And that's what I think about water in the apartment too. Like let's say that, you know, the apartment's fine, everything's kind of fine, but for whatever reason maybe some water lines were disrupted and so the water is contaminated and it's exactly. like we can totally stay maybe here. Maybe you don't need to leave yeah. your apartment, but mm-hmm. like, like you just said, there's no water for an extended period of time or – when that earthquake hits and the water's out, what's the first thing everybody's going to be doing? Running to the grocery store and they're all going to be looking for the same 10 mm-hmm. items. So just have think those about items. those 10 items yeah. right now. Build up a little surplus at home mm-hmm. and have enough to stay inside for a week or two. Yeah. Knowing that maybe you can't go to the store because they're out of 
toilet paper and water and I don't know matches like whatever else people are going to need in that time just think about those things common sense items have them at home like food have just you know canned food whatever stuff that you keep on reserve that you don't even touch don't even think about as being there but it's always going to be there and if you don't live in an earthquake zone good for you yeah don't do any of this stuff just <laughs> go get drunk yeah uh okay we didn't really talk about it, but the there are a few different scales that measure the intensities oh, of yeah. earthquakes. Uh, the one we use here in the U.S., uh, I mean, we probably use the others as well, but the only one you ever hear about is the Richter scale. Yeah. So the Richter scale, as you've probably heard, earthquakes measured in this way, and, and it's international too. It's not just the U.S., mm-hmm. um, but the Richter scale, so you hear like 4.2, 7.8. Mm-hmm. The re- you know, the higher it gets, the worse it gets. But what's crazy is you might hear that a 4.1 earthquake hit and, you know, you'll feel that out here. Mm-hmm. And then you might hear that a 5.3 earthquake hit and it's like, okay, that's a little stronger. The every number that it moves up on the scale is 30 times the amount of energy released as the number below it. So that's crazy. A 5.0 released 30 times the energy as a 4.0. That's very and deceiving. <laughs> it is. And that equates to about 10 times the shaking. Okay. So a... So a, every bump a 5.0, up number, Yeah, it's not... It doesn't... It's going to feel 30 times stronger, but it's going to feel like 10, 10 times, times stronger, stronger? Yeah. than a 4.0. That's pretty severe. Oh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah. the amount of energy... Right. ...is what's really astonishing. 30 times. So... Yeah, think about that when you hear those extremely high numbers. And when I say extremely high numbers, I'm about to get into it, like what the biggest ever were. But uh, the scale is not that big. So when there's a, you know, when there's a, when you hear about a six and then you hear about an eight, just realize how much stronger an eight is than a six. It's a, it's a, the difference between life and death, literally, no Mm -hmm. matter where you are. Um, I think we kind of said this, but every year, so we're, we're winding down here. Mm-hmm. We're getting into some, okay. some chill like fun facts. Chill fun facts? I feel like they're going to be devastating. Uh, one of them is pretty devastating. Okay. Two of them, actually. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, every year there are about 500,000 detectable earthquakes on Earth. Oh, that's a lot. So do the math. Hundreds and hundreds a day. Okay. Um... There are, I guess not hundreds and hundreds, but over a hundred a day detectable on Earth. There are over a hundred thousand a year that are felt. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, I'm tripping up on this math. I feel like I'm sounding like an idiot. No, just don't do it. That's what I normally do. Yeah, good do. idea. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, 500,000 detectable <laughs> every year. Over a hundred thousand of those detectable ones are felt by humans that's like two 273 a day of the 500,000 no the fi- of 100,000 273 a day 100,000 divided by 365 days a year yeah. right is 273 wow okay yeah. so, so almost a, a thousand detectable a day um or over a thousand detectable a day but it's a, a much 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 smaller number of those are uh cause any damage right right yeah, so, like we've said, like we we've felt dozens of earthquakes. Most of them, like we were saying, you literally say to yourself, "Was that an earthquake?" And you have to look it up. Like it's yeah. not you don't even you're not even sure. 
so I saw two different figures. I'm not sure which is right. Um, one said that there are a hundred, there are a hundred a year that cause damage. One said there are a thousand a year that cause damage. Obviously, one of those is right and one of those is wrong, mm. but I'm not sure which. But over the of the hundred thousand that are felt each year, mm-hmm. let's call it less than one percent cause Actually any cause sort of damage. damage. Much less death and destruction. Yeah, that's yeah. any sort of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, the largest earthquake ever recorded was in Chile in uh, 1960, and wow. that was a 9.5 on the Richter scale. Oh, that's So terrible. when you hear about the Richter scale numbers being thrown out, keep in mind that the highest ever detected was 9.5. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. So when you feel a 5.5 here, that's strong. Like, yeah. that's quite strong. What and was to the think ones... that that would be... 40 times I, the shaking and 120 times the the energy put out is insane. The ones that we felt, so this is, it was like Jul- 4th of July 2019. There were yeah. a couple in California. Those were the biggest, and we felt, re- I mean, we may have felt more, but like two of the ones we felt, one, I think it was actual 4th of July and the day after that were pretty big. Do you remember what, what, number they were i don't you can look it up real quick i don't remember i would like to know let's see probably won't satisfy anyone but us but Mm -hmm. that's fine um while you're doing that i will tell you that these plates that we were talking about the transform plate boundary that we are on with the san andreas fault Mm -hmm. uh a simple way to think of it is san francisco is on one side of the fault and la is on on the other side of the fault so these plates, the earthquakes are caused, like we said, because these plates are sliding along each other. The um, the plates are moving in a way that L.A. and San Francisco are getting closer every year at a rate of, of about two inches per year. Cool. So in about 12 million years <laughs> at this rate, L.A. and San Francisco will be side by side. Wow. I wonder if we'll still be alive. I doubt it. I don't know. You might be. Science. Okay, so uh, that's really cool. Um, The earthquakes that we felt, so granted, they were far, they were hundreds of miles, I think at least a hundred, I don't remember actually. They were far away from us, so take that when I'm about to tell you. Um, The one on 4th of July was a 6.4, and the one the day after was a 7.1. So they were pretty big. 7.1. Yeah, Yeah, but they were far from us, and the epicenter was... It wasn't in the middle of nowhere. There was a town fairly close to it, but it was, like, kind of in the desert. Um, and I, there was definitely damage and destruction in that town. I don't remember if there were if there were deaths or not. But, I don't either. But they, you know, it wasn't, like, um, mass casualties or anything like yeah. that. But it was it was obviously very, very sad A pretty sad low situation. populated area where it yes, happened. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty strong. That is strong. That's stronger than I remember. 7.1 is, that's, yeah. that's up there. It's pretty big. Uh, okay, last one. Okay. According to the USGS.gov, okay. the deadliest earthquake ever was in China in 1556. What? So it hit, I know, I had never heard of this. It hit an area where people were living in caves oh, that no. were carved out of a fairly soft rock. No. Which, I mean, if you're going to carve a cave home, I would it's pick the softest soft rock, rock you can find. Right, yeah. uh, so this earthquake hit, collapsed these caves, and killed an estimated 830,000 people. Whoa. Isn't that, that is crazy? 
so that sounds sad. like its own episode. But yeah. 830,000 people that's crazy. in this one cave system, even if we're talking about, you know, yeah, spread over people. tens of miles, it's like still 830,000 wow. people. That is insane. I can't even believe there were that many people clustered close together right, that yeah, long at ago. that time of yeah, yeah. a time of history wow that's crazy, crazy. right yeah. i had never heard about that very crazy mm. well thank you i feel like we learned a lot yeah yeah even though i know about earthquakes a little bit i still learned a lot okay good yeah thank you i feel informed not too enthusiastic this is a bit of a somber one but um but i feel good knowing that i have the information it's just learning. There's not much you can do about earthquakes. Yeah. No. And no. Uh, except to move just away from areas that experience Hang on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Move away or just hang on and protect your head. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. Protect your head, whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Earthquakes or not. Yeah, protect your head. Okay, anything else? Any questions? No. Just Excellent. Protect your head. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at 30 Minute Expert Podcast, where you can see cool photos of all the things we talked about today. And send us suggestions for future episodes. Also, if you're a real-life expert on one of the topics we covered, write to us and let us know what we missed. You can email us at 30MinutexpertPodcast, that's 30MinutexpertPodcast at gmail.com. If it's something especially interesting, maybe we'll read it on the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you're really enjoying it, write a review. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.